Greetings, Star Wars fans, and welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, a podcast hosted by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew Gore, and with me today is Marisha. Hello. And we are recording in our new studio today. We are indeed. It is a step up. So if it sounds a little bit different, that's why, because we're still getting used to the new room. And we have been gone for a while. (laughs) Yeah. But we've been... Uh, I'm recovering from pneumonia, so I'm going to try not to hack up a lung in your ear today. And we have been moving, and it's just been an adventure. And we went to Dragon Con. We had a good time at Dragon Con. What was your favorite thing about Dragon Con? My favorite thing about Dragon Con, you know, I always really enjoy listening to Timothy Zahn speak. Um, that's, That's always kind of one of the highlights of my dragon con panel going experiences is um he's always really interesting and just as far as star wars stuff he's so knowledgeable and he's just fun you know somebody who uses words for a living is usually entertaining to listen to yeah you know as far as star wars stuff at dragon con we didn't make it to the star wars costume contest this year we so didn't we, we it was the that. same day as the the masquerade yep yeah, it falls at a weird time, and it's just, it, Dragon Con's so big, you can't do everything you want to. Right, and yeah. We didn't get to see E.K. Johnston speak, so that was kind of a bummer. I think the kids would have been excited about that. But we did get a picture with her. Yeah, we did get to meet E.K. Johnston. She was nice enough to respond to a tweet and meet us before she hosted a panel and take yeah. a picture with the kids. Yeah, that was great. So we did that. The Timothy Zahn, Timothy Zahn's always fantastic. I'm, I'm almost through. I got about 50 pages left in the... The Thrawn book. In the last Thrawn book. Yay. And uh, I kind of hated to hear that it sounds like they're in a little bit of a holding pattern on mm-hmm. him writing any more books. Yeah, his. Um, I think he was kind of using the, the Star Wars crew at Dragon Con as a sort of a, uh, like a testing ground, I guess. He was like, so who would be interested in stories about Chiss that didn't involve Thrawn? Show of hands, you know, he's just kind of, you could tell he had kind of been uh, thinking about some things, you know, just kind of throwing, all right, who would like this? Of course, you know, all the people in that room would like all of the things. Right. And I think he has been pitching some ideas to Lucasfilm. Yeah. Or I don't know if he pitches directly to Lucasfilm or if he goes through Del Rey and Del Rey pitches to Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how all that works. I mean, he's been there so long. I suspect that he's able to pitch directly himself if he wants to. So I mean, geez, he's been with Lucasfilm longer than probably anybody at Lucasfilm. Yeah, I mean, considering he wrote the first Expanded Universe books in 1989. Yeah. But, you know, TV and movies are always going to take precedence over right. books. Right. And and there's good reason for that. Those are what make money. Right. And, you know, books make some money, but they don't make money compared to movies, to movies and TV yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. So, basically, it sounds like until Dave Filoni decides how he wants to continue... The Thrawn story. Well, at least, yeah, with Ezra. I I don't suppose he even has to necessarily decide exactly what he wants to do with with Thrawn at all. Except for Thrawn and Ezra are together. Well, and, you know, if if they chose to write that story in a way where they split up. Right. They don't end up in the same place together. Then that allows them both to take their characters and go do anything. I mean, the other question there is... The Bindu told us that that was Thrawn's death. Did he say his death or his destruction? Hmm. 
I don't remember. We're going to have to go back and look it up because, I mean, it sounds like at least it sounds like Timothy Zahn thinks that Thrawn and Ezra are still alive and at odds somewhere in the universe. I've never quite had the nerve to get up in those lines and ask people questions, but I really wanted to ask because he was saying that he felt like Thrawn and Ezra would have a, a dynamic a lot like, you know, the crook and the the G-Man in white collar, you know. Mm. So I was really curious and maybe someday I'll actually get up the nerve to ask what what kind of dynamic I think it would be interesting to see, you know, just not just their dynamic, but what Ezra and Thrawn would learn from one another. Because I think that they're so different, but I think that Thrawn is just an open-minded kind of person to some extent and that he's interested in understanding other people. And Ezra, I think, has grown up enough that eventually he would realize that there are things to be learned. Yeah, well, I mean, I would expect Timothy Zahn to write those two characters together. Really? Because well. that's the, well, that's the thing. Timothy Zahn hasn't written those two characters together. Right. Given the opportunity, I would expect Timothy Zahn, I would expect the relationship to be sort of like Anakin's and Thrawn's mm-hmm. in the second book. Right. Um, because... Ezra is Ezra really much is, that type. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, in a lot of ways, he's almost the stand-in for Anakin yeah. in that second Dave Filoni animated series. Right. Someday we just need to have a Thrawn episode. We need to we need to get some people who are big EU people to come talk about original yeah. Thrawn you books. Need to, you need to read the original books. I do. Yeah, I just haven't done it. And I haven't read them in, you know... 25 years so yeah i'd probably wouldn't hurt me to reread them as well yeah but that that would be an interesting thing to do sometime hey maybe maybe someday we could even get enough enough listeners to to wrangle timothy's on to come talk about thrawn for 15 minutes on our podcast wouldn't that be fun that would be awesome i mean he's a friendly dude um he, yeah he is you know he's always real gracious and hangs around after panels and mm-hmm. takes pictures, books asks and questions, takes pictures, yep. mm-hmm. answers questions rather. Like I said, he's one of my favorite people to, to run into. Yeah. Henry Gilroy wasn't there this year. No, I didn't see Gilroy there this year. He's I mean, usually he hasn't been there. working on anything, so yeah. that might have been part of why. But I, I kind of expected to see him just because a lot of the same people just come to Dragon Con every right. year. But hey, right. maybe he's working on something. That's maybe true. he's tied up with the Clone Wars stuff. That's or, true. I think that was one of my favorite um, Star Wars at Dragon Con experiences was being in a writer's panel and somebody going, hey, wait a minute. Is that Henry Gilroy in the back of the room? And realizing that one of the the writers for Star Wars Rebels was just sitting in the back of the panel watching uh, a Rebels panel at Dragon Con. Yeah. <laughs> the Zahn, panel, Zahn panels are always fantastic. I would always make it a point to make it to at least one of his panels. Mm-hmm. We um, didn't was, make it to the big author panel this year. We didn't. I it, hated it that. It fell at a weird time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that the Zahn panel we went to was in the time slot that the big author panel was in previously, right? Yes, I think so. So it's just, especially with you doing the Friday night costume contest right. and then the kids being in the masquerade. Which was too much. We will never do that again. Yeah. Mm-mm. But um, as far as other Star Wars stuff, I was a little disappointed. Um Claudia Gray was there this year yeah, and I, I totally whiffed on that. Like I didn't I didn't get by to get a book signed. I didn't get by to 
hear her on a mm-hmm. panel and I've been complaining for a couple of years that about she never... she's never at panel and she's never at cons. Right. And then when she was, we just couldn't, couldn't we couldn't get to yeah. any of her stuff. No, um, I think we'll definitely pick a contest, costume contest in the future because it pretty much took up most of our Friday and most of our Sunday doing two contests like that. So it was a little much. Yeah. Now, that being said, the masquerade, as far as non-Star Wars stuff, is such a big highlight. Oh, yeah. So fun. Well, you, you, the hosts do such a great job. And yes. Eddie McClintock from um, Warehouse Warehouse 13, you know, mm-hmm. he's shown up on a, a couple of other things. But, oh, my gosh, the man is hilarious. And who is who is the, the co-host? Oh, goodness. You're going to ask me that. And I'm going to blank on his name. I don't remember, but he does a fantastic job. Uh, so this year they were Willy Wonka and an Oompa Loompa. And they were just, they were, they were great. They were really, they were, I think that they hosted it last year. I think it was their first year to do it together. And I think it was a big hit. So I think Dragon Con has decided that they are the, uh, the duo. Yeah. It sounds like the MCs for the Friday night contest have been doing it for like 10 years. So it seems like they may kind of try and if they when they find something that really works well, they may just kind of try and get the same people back to do it. And I think that's great. So Dragon Con was a lot of fun and uh, it looks like it's grown into a five day event instead of a four. It so. has. I'm OK with that. Yeah. You're just going to have to, you know, go and get find day a way to next go year. a day earlier. Yeah. You know, um, it, so historically, it's been a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday event. And this year, Thursday was super happening. And so conversely, Monday was a little more low-key, I think, than it's been even in the past when we've gone. But I was really okay with that. Yeah, it's, well, it's, like it's always nice. Like, you can walk through the vendor hall without, like, Right. It's always to have one attack. day at a con mm-hmm. that's not completely overwhelming. Yep. And Friday had kind of been that way. Yeah. But now that it's kicking off on Thursday, Friday is the new Saturday. And I think everybody decided they were going to try and you know, head off the crowd and come on Friday instead or Friday and Saturday. Well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday were all very, very busy. Mm -hmm. They really were. I mean, those, you couldn't hardly, those sky bridges were, you know, you couldn't hardly get through them. They had to shut them down one day. They did. What were there too many people on it? I think it was, I think they were over trafficked and uh, they had to shut them down for a little bit. Yeah. That was fun. Um, but yeah, no, Dragon Con, Dragon Con's great. If you've never been, you should go at least once. Yeah. Um, other, one other Star Wars thing that was a lot of fun. Actually, they did a, um, Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained hosted mm-hmm. a panel with uh, Eunice Suatamo. Yeah, that was great. And that was an excellent panel. It was a really excellent um, Alex did panel. a great job hosting it. He hosted a lot of panels this year. He did. Um, he hosted a few and then... Uh, Eunice was just absolutely fantastic. He was. And the man did like three or four panels over the course of the weekend. Yeah. Him and Zachary Levi, I'm pretty sure, just hopped around from mm-hmm. one one ballroom to another talking to huge groups of people. Yeah. Yeah, Zachary Levi was great, but I had no great. idea he was quite so manic. And that he dropped quite so many F-bombs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, come on, dude. Three kids up in here. I mean, he was hilarious. It's not like, I mean, I obviously didn't take my kids out. Maybe I should have, but I wasn't going to because I wanted to hear the panel. So I just threatened them direly if I ever heard them say that word. <laughs> um, no, but he was, he was great. He was, he was really, he was really entertaining. And I, I felt like, you know, some people, 
I think they're there because it's like, well, this is what I can do to make money when I'm not working. Um, but he really seems to have a passion for people. Like, you know, he really seems to love people and care about people and the fans and the people who are there. And that's that that's that's really nice. That, mm. that was kind of nice, to, you know, and not that it's not. You know, if, if people are there because it's it's a gig, that's fair, too. They're people, too. They're they're entitled to feel that way about it. But it, it is really nice to have somebody who was seemingly uh, so excited to be there. And, you know, he's, I mean, a colossal nerd. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, just all the things, you know, all the nerdy things that people threw out him. He's like, oh, yeah, and this and this. And, you know, it's like he's um his nerd cred is real Eunice and alex at that panel mm-hmm. is available i saw it go up on the youtube channel for oh, really? stars explained so you can go check out oh, that awesome. interview it's a really good interview um there was a a panel that you and iana went yes, to too. Uh, joseph scrimshaw from force center podcast okay uh that joseph hosts with ken napzok mm-hmm. he hosted a panel with alex and molly damon and one other from another podcast that I can't remember off the top of my head. And they kind of got into the... the um, theory? Well, it was... The panel was How to Be a Jedi. Right. But it was really... They kind of got into the psychological end mm-hmm. of... You know, we're so quick to say the Jedi were wrong. But if you were in that position... Right. How would you handle it? Yeah. And so they, they talked a lot of interesting things. And, of course, Joseph uh, Scrimshaw is, is hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's what he does for a living. Right. So, you know, he better be funny if he's going to make a living as a comic. But yeah, um, he was great. And it was it was one of my favorite. That was one of the last panels I got to do. That was mm-hmm. one of the Monday panels. Yeah. Uh, but it was very, very good. And, of yeah. course, I always like the Monday panels because they're, they're not nearly as full. Right. Like there wasn't even a line for this one. They were just like, I just go in and sit where you want. Yeah. And so we got to go sit right down front where we could see and hear everything. Mm-hmm. And, That's exciting. Um, and those panels, a lot of times, a lot of times at cons, if you really pay attention, you can find these panels that are at little hidden times yeah. where other people are busy with other the big, big things. You know, it's like you go to the one, you go find the panel whenever George Takei is talking. Or somebody, you know, Jason well, Momoa's got like one at this at, uh, hour. I think it was San Diego Comic-Con a few years ago, although it might have been Celebration last time it was in Anaheim. I can't remember. But they had uh, Kevin Smith. I think it was Kevin Smith that was getting ready to do a panel. Mm-hmm. And they announced that John Williams was about to play across the at the venue across the street. Oh, no. And so everybody, everybody left. left. And went to hear John, John Williams, Williams because of course, and like emptied the 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 hall like <laughs> there was nobody hilarious. there for Kevin Smith's panel. That's hilarious. And because uh, like we did one a couple years ago that the Screen Junkies hosted mm-hmm. in Comic Con New Orleans, and it was during the costume contest. It was during the big costume contest, and so we actually did a screening of Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier with, with the Russos with the Russo brothers. Yeah, how cr- and that was before they blew up even more than they have now. I don't, I don't know that they'd ever. I don't know. I mean, they were so awesome that year. I mean, they did. They spent at most of two days signing autographs, and they wouldn't take payment for their autographs at their booth. Wow. Um, they were just happy to be there, but they did. Yeah. They sat through the whole movie with us and let us ask questions, and that's awesome. 
and, and there of course, and there weren't more than like fifty people in the room, right? Because of course, all the other idiots like me dragging four kids to the costume contest by myself. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? All right, but we've uh, we've gone on about. Although I guess it's been a little bit Star Wars, but we've gone yeah. on about Dragon Con a while, but. Um, we got a couple things like we haven't been around and so we're not going to do a shot for shot breakdown of the trailer because by now you've seen 500 other people do that. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about the trailer and the things we like about it and Mm -hmm. what we think some of those things mean. Yeah. And so just right off, what was your, what were some of the things that really jumped out to you in the trailer? You know, I think my favorite thing about that... I guess, I guess to be specific, this is the D23 yes. Rise of Skywalker footage. Um, I really think that my favorite thing about that trailer is Kylo Ren coming off that that tie, you know, and charging towards Rey and them engaging there on, on what looks to be a piece of the Death Star. I mean, it's beautiful. And it's just... Are you talking about the scene where we see his silencer in the background and he's mm-hmm. walking forward? Yeah. Because I think that's actually two different scenes. Oh, really? I think it's actually on two different planets. Okay. I'm not real sure what's going on there, but one of those appears to be a night scene, maybe in the desert where okay. we see in the first trailer where we see him trying to chase her down. Okay, yeah. With the TIE fighter. And then and then I, th- I really think that other lightsaber battle is going to be... It's beautiful, though. At I mean, least just those on, three but, seconds... Well, that, of it. Yeah. I mean, J.J. Abrams can evermore make a movie. Yeah. But man, it's, you know, it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's, I mean. Just like I said, just those couple of seconds of footage are just stunning. Mm-hmm. Well, you get that. That footage is beautiful. Um, they really did a great job of just pulling a beautiful trailer together mm-hmm. overall. I mean, really. You tell us, Jack. Really, this is a second teaser trailer. Yeah. What they've kind of done to us is they gave us a teaser. And then when instead of a first full trailer, they really gave us a second teaser. teaser. And so that means we're really only going to get one full length trailer for this movie. Mm-hmm. Probably coming up soon, maybe maybe three or four weeks from now on a Monday night. While we're watching the Saints not win because Drew Brees is injured. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what week they'll do that, but I would assume it's worked for them so far. Yeah. Doing dropping the trailer during Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. and then of making all the nerds so mad. Well, they usually, have to watch football. Usually, that, all the, football. the tickets will go on sale mm-hmm. the same time. With that trailer will end, and it'll say tickets on sale now, and we'll go crash all the websites. Yeah, because that's what's happened the last two times they went on sale. Right. <laughs> Might as well. Um, so Crashing you, the internet's fun. <laughs> so we'll be ready to get our tickets that night. But yeah. What they did was they gave us, it looks like it's a two and a half minute long trailer. Right. So it is a full length, but the first minute and 15 seconds of it are footage from everything that came before. Right. I mean, original trilogy. Which is really nice. It is. And it cements the idea that. It's a story. Well, that it's one story Mm -hmm. and that this is, this is the end. This is. Right. Where it all ties together. And honestly. I think even that, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming if you've listened to this, you've seen the trailer. If you don't go watch the trailer, it's two minutes long. But I will say, I know some people after the first teaser avoid trailers. It's true. Yeah. Um, Got at least one of those friends. Yeah. So, you know, this really, there's some big images in here that Mm -hmm. now what they mean, they're so cryptic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that I don't think it's given anything away, but you're not, if you go watch the trailer, you're not going to go watch two and a half minutes of the Rise of Skywalker footage. You're going to watch about a minute right. of shots from the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I, you know, clearly um, Abrams is going for shock factors in his teasers here with the the Emperor laugh in the first one and uh, an image of uh, Ray with a red lightsaber and glowing eyes in this one. As a story, as, as, as a storyteller, as someone who loves the story above all, I, I, I can see the charm of Ray turning to the dark side. I don't think that's where they're going, though. And honestly, well, I think we've already, I think we're too far into the story. Yeah. I, I think that you're, I think we had those decisions to make last go round. Mm-hmm. And while they could go back to it, I mean, Luke was tempted in two and three or, you know, in, or in five and six and in yeah. Empire and Jedi, mm-hmm. he faced temptation twice. Mm-hmm. We could do that, but I mean, kind of Ray was tempted. You know, Kylo wanted to turn her the first go round. Right. Yeah. The first time he saw her. And, and then again, join me. Right. And then again in the last Jedi. So mm-hmm. really Ray's already faced temptation twice. And because you're not just in part three, because mm-hmm. you're in part nine right. of this story, spending half your movie with the doing the same thing, facing temptation again to turn to the dark side. Right. I think you're wasting story time. Yeah. I think that we that her story needs to be cemented. I think that it's Kylo's story who needs to be uncertain mm-hmm. at this point. Even though at the end of The Last Jedi... I would have said their positions were cemented. That he yeah. had firmly chosen the dark twice. Yeah. She had firmly chosen the light twice. Mm-hmm. But then when the ball went back to J.J. Abrams' hand to finish the story, mm-hmm. all bets were kind of off. Well, the thing is, though, they both clearly still got a call the other direction. You know, she... Maybe, but I'm not... Maybe. You know, she, well, she, she's got a... She's got a um, an affinity with the dark side. She 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 had to go in that cave. Just had to. Just it's, had to go. It's true, but I but that we're assuming by saying that she still got that call that she learned nothing. Oh, that's true. And I think that we actually did see that she has accepted her role mm-hmm. given to her by Luke. Right. You know, that charge of the last Jedi. Being the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we've seen her Pass her temptation. Yeah. Kylo, it makes more sense for his story to still be up in the air. Yeah. They've definitely set it up. There's a whole bunch of bickering going on online again this week because some high profile people have expressed that they're not happy to see that it looks like they're setting up his redemption. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that his story is more interesting as a villain but I'm not opposed to him mm-hmm. turning. It's all about execution. Yep. Definitely. So we'll see. But going back to that scene of Ray with the red lightsaber. Yeah. Um, just the shock value of that at mm-hmm. the end of that trailer. Of course, that sent the speculation running absolutely mm-hmm. rampant. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I, I do think that the lightsaber is incredibly goofy looking. <laughs> Not a fan, huh, babe? I'm not. It's um, it's a weird design. 
Mm-hmm. It reminds me um, of. Do you have you ever seen the combs that look like a switchblade knife with their? It's a comb that flips <laughs> yeah. out. It kind of reminded me of that. I don't. I just every time I see it and the way it opens, mm-hmm. it's mechanically it's weird. It's just hinged. Yeah. But she's holding it lit like you could use it like that. Like. Mm-hmm. The the whole aesthetic of it's kind of weird. And I'm, I'm sure the idea partly came from the Temple Guard Sabres mm-hmm. from Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Specifically, we've only actually seen that saber one time. Specifically when Kanan faces the Temple Guard. Right. When he basically goes through his ceremony to become a knight in the temple. Th- that lightsaber is beautiful. The execution of it, mm-hmm. the, the way it works, is, is very neat. Um, there's just something awkward looking about this particular version of it. You know, and that being said, just because it looks weird in the trailer doesn't mean that it's not something that they won't tweak a little more before the movie gets all the way done. It's possible. But here's the thing. Does it really matter? Are we going to see that other than that one shot? I don't think so. I think like, I think that that whole thing is literally that one shot. I think it's a dream or a vision or something. Yeah, I'm I'm still not totally certain that it's not part of the vision from the cave. We we didn't get to see anything really. We we didn't see her vision. We you see don't think- no, I think we see when she she sees something, she steps forward and she if I recall puts her hand on the wall mm-hmm. and then we see her reflection. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know if we're seeing like in uh, I don't when we see her, I'm not sure we're actually seeing a vision anymore. But as she steps forward, we see her reflection in the wall. So I don't think we saw the vision. Well, the two figures walk like shadowy, kind of walk forward and kind of converge. And then you have that shadowy figure that basically mirrors her. And then when it clears up, it is her, you know, kind of touch the wall where her hand is. Right. Um, but I had, I said when the, when, when we walked out of The Last Jedi that I thought that the two people she saw walk forward were her and Kylo Ren. So you think she actually saw something more clear than what we saw there? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think there's room for, I think there's at least room for JJ to go back and say, yes, we only got, we were only privy to part of the story. Part of the vision. Okay. That, that's fair. I think that I think it'll make some people pissed as all get out, but I think that's fair. Well, I th- I think it, it makes sense because otherwise her vision in the cave makes n- no sense. It's just like, and it's you. Well, th- there has to be something we didn't see. I think she sees who the two people are when they walk forward, yeah. and we just see shadows. Shadows. Yeah. So it, it's certainly open for JJ to interpret it how he wants. Right. Without causing any... Continuity uh, issues. Right. Again, I don't think it's going to matter that I thought that lightsaber was a little bit goofy looking because I think we seriously see that lightsaber for a split second unless she ends up wielding a similar version of that lightsaber with a green or blue blade. You know, here's the thing. I don't think that if Ray were actually going to turn to the dark side that they would have dropped that in a trailer. No. I, I think that that's too big of a story point, and he's J.J. Abrams. Well, he is not going to drop his biggest story point well, in a teaser. If they're going to drop a big story point in a teaser, it's going to be so misleading yep. that it makes no sense. And now, some sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, and I saw the whole movie in the two-minute trailer. Right. This is not going to be one of those movies. It's absolutely not. Well, no, but Disney has been real good, particularly Lucasfilm. 
and Marvel have both gotten to where they do such a good job. I don't know if... Okay, so I don't know who's making the trailers. Right. Um, trailers pretty much used to always come from marketing. Mm-hmm. They're not even the people they're making. But it's clear that these some of these directors, particularly these high-profile directors, mm-hmm. like the Russos and J.J. Abrams, are having some input in here's what you can use in right. the trailer. And I specifically want you to use this. Right. It actually, the solo trailers, I actually, I don't know who cut them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all to learn that Ron Howard cut those, cut that trailer. Yeah. More or less cut it the way he wanted it. I mean, he's Ron Howard. Yeah. I, I imagine if he wanted to cut it himself, they let him. Right. You don't get Ron Howard to finish your movie if, you know, you don't want him to fix it. Um. So other big shots in that trailer, I mean... We get the cool shot of some rebel ships coming out of hyperspace, mm-hmm. and we get to see um, one of the big complaints, one of my complaints, uh, not just my complaints, but the internet's the complaints board, that we hadn't seen enough. You know, where are the rest of those ships? Like, right? We keep getting new ships, but where are the old ones? Where are the Y wings? Where are the B wings? We never got to see B wings until Return of the Jedi. Right? Let's see some B wings. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a shot with. A-wings, Y-wings, B-wings, mm-hmm. all the X-wings in the shot. Initially, I thought it was remnants of an old Rebel-era fleet. Uh-huh. Um, now I don't know. These may be updated versions of all those ships. Right. Um, because the X-wings in that shot are definitely uh, Resistance-era X-wings. Yeah. You know, the profile's just a little different on them, so it's easy to tell. So I don't know, but... That Carillion Corvette coming out there, really, yeah. part of me really, really hoped that that's the Tana 4 yep. uh, showing back up for one last hurrah. Yeah, might as well. We've so far seen the Tana 4, and uh, did we see Val Organa? On, is that where Leia and Luke were born? They were born on board of one of Val Organa's ships. Okay. So basically, so, yeah, Obi-Wan the, picks the Padme Tana. up, puts her back on the shuttle, and then um, he gets a... a transmission from Bell Organa and Yoda not to go back to the temple. I guess he'd already been back to the temple, so he knew not to go back to well, Coruscant. Well, Obi-Wan sent the message out to yeah, not yeah, go Yeah, you're back. right. You know, we get that cool shot of the ships. There's one ship in that scene that's unidentified. Okay. Um, we don't know who's in that ship. I sort of suspect that that's the ship that Finn and the new character, who I cannot remember her now name. Miyake's character. I don't remember. Yeah, I cannot remember her character's name. So I I kind of suspect that that may be them. Them. So it'll be interesting to see whether that's one of these other squadrons we've been introduced to along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, if if that's uh, if maybe some of the aces are there from Resistance. Or, oh, that'd be great. Um, I'd like to see that. Or some of Alphabet Squadron, or you know, Wedge. Maybe Wedge has got that. Maybe Wedge is commanding that uh, Corellian Corvette. Yeah. You know, we hadn't heard yet if Wedge is coming back, but it'd kind of be a shame if they haven't managed to talk him into coming back. I mean, he did show up for celebration. He did. And I think, you know, I think he's one of those that had kind of stayed away for a long time just out of irritation that he'd been reduced to a Star Wars actor. Right. But I think once he got to celebration and realized how popular he was i think he felt a little differently about the whole thing yeah i mean that's kind of been the case for a lot of 
mm-hmm. people. Even even to some extent, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford won't, will never admit it, but the fact that he has shown his face around so many Star Wars events, yeah, I think he's really re-embracing his mm-hmm. early career. Yeah, well, and I, you know, and Carrie Fisher avoided it all for a long time too. Well, she just thought Star Wars fans were weird for a long time. Yeah, she wasn't wrong. So, but I mean, I, I think she thought like I, I don't think she realized how much the community loved her. Yeah. Yeah, that she just wasn't sort of a byproduct of, you know, who happened to be in Star Wars. That she was actually, that she was actually not just a person that, you know, guys hung posters of on their walls, but that uh, girls looked up to. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a whole different ballpark. Right. Um, so, the, sh- the shot that they offset the rebel ships with, or mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know at this point, are we... Are we rebellion? Or are we still resistance? What are we? I don't know. They just should have picked one. Yeah, the whole like making a big deal of it's like it's the resistance, and then spending the entire second movie being like rebels. It's like why? why like it's confusing. Well, I think that the idea is that the government in power is the new republic. Okay, and so they're a resistance to this new order coming in. Okay. Um, so now that the now, old, they're gone, you know, we kind of got that statement about the rebellion is reborn. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know. I don't know because we've also dubbed this the era of resistance. Again, so confusing. I don't know whether we're supposed to refer to them as the rebellion or the resistance. We're going to stick with resistance for now. For now. I don't think it matters. Yeah, maybe not. The shot that they offset the resistance ships with was of this massive fleet. Of Star Destroyers. Right. Now, Imperial era Star Destroyers, this is apparently the the missing fleet. Right. That I, I think in the is mentioned in the Aftermath books of a large portion of the fleet that vanished. Well, of course, at this point, we don't know for sure who has control of this. Are these ships that were simply set aside by Palpatine? He's a slippery I mean, that, son of a gun. That makes the most sense that this yeah. is some ships that he recalled to this location and they've just been sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, we, we've gotten mentions of... Timothy Zahn does not think that they are Thrawn ships. Because, <laughs> no. of course, he's apparently been asked that question a hundred times already. Well, I, you know, I think, unfortunately, the there's there's so many people who always dreamed that a sequel trilogy would involve that story. Yeah. Um, Just because it was considered, because it was such a key part of bringing Star Wars back to life. Right. In in the late 80s. Yeah. And he was like, I think if that fleet belonged to Thrawn, it wouldn't still be sitting there. Right. So I don't think this fleet, there may be people there, but I don't, I think it's, it's been run by very minimal Mm-hmm. crew i don't think it belongs to the first order yeah no because again i don't think it would just be sitting there i think the first order has been mobilizing on a pretty major scale well i mean their their goal was to was conquest as fast as possible right so you're not going to leave a massive fleet just fleet just chilling park. yeah um if it's the fleet that we think's missing maybe a quarter of the entire imperial fleet right so i guess the thing that i'm wondering the most about you know, maybe it is Imperial fleet and Imperial ships that are under the control of the First Order and they've been retrofitting them with new technology. That's true. That um, but there's a red marking 
on the top. Now, red has been one of the colors of the First Order. Mm-hmm. It was not an imperial color. Okay. In the originals, we saw that color almost completely in conjunction with rebel ships. Except for you, yeah. So... Even their lasers are red, right? I guess the question is, is does anybody control this? Is this a lost fleet? Is it just out there? Is it a race to see who can take control of it? Or is this the, uh, another group that we have always seen red in conjunction with are the Sith. I don't think it's any accident that we have Sith troopers. While the First Order has been out there doing their own thing for the last 30 years, yeah. is it possible that there were two different parts of the contingency plan? Like I said, he's the slippery son of a gun. I think he's been playing multiple he's been playing multiple angles on this. So is it possible that the the old Sith that the Sith have been reborn, that this is a that the Sith have, have that Palpatine has ushered in a new era of not just we're the Empire or the First Order, but a Sith fleet, a true oh, yeah. Sith fleet like we saw in uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Honestly, I really like that idea because I think that Ray is in a position where she doesn't have the same baggage that Luke did. And so I think she's in a position to resurrect the Jedi. And, you know, you got to have the balance. I don't think that we're just going to have another... I don't think we're just going to have another run of dark side users that are, you know... Kylo Ren is obsessed. I think Kylo Ren really wants to be a Sith. I'm going to be a little bit surprised if he hasn't claimed the mantle yeah. of Sith Lord. Ooh, I like that. Um, Darth Kylo. Darth Ren. Darth Kylo Ren. Uh. <laughs> we'll see. Somebody, somebody will figure it out. <laughs> TB, Not me. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> Darth, Darth TBD. Perfect. That's catchy. <laughs> um, I... I don't know, but I, I like the idea of the, the Sith coming back. Coming yeah. back. And and kind of and I kinda of like the idea of the Sith are back and we don't necessarily wipe them out at the end of this movie. Yeah. Maybe the first order is crushed. Maybe the, the Republic finally gains a foothold and comes back, but mm-hmm. that somewhere lurking out there is mm-hmm. this Sith Armada. I mean it's like the the First Order, they're kind of Nazis, you know, but the Sith, they're like devils, basically, you know, and demons are more interesting antagonists than Nazis. They just are. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that we want this story wrapped up, but if we want to end the mm-hmm. the Skywalker saga and then just blow this world wide open for yeah. just unlimited stories to be told, then mm-hmm. let's not tie it up in a neat little bow at the end. No. We need to tie up the Skywalker story. Kill but the story all. of the galaxy. I'm sorry. The story of the galaxy just needs to be a wide open door. Yeah. With new villains and new heroes, and I mean, honestly, though, I think that the most reasonable way for the Skywalker story to end is I think they all have to die. Maybe. I don't. I don't know that that's true. I, I'm. Kylo Ren's the only one still standing. To wrap this story up in a nice, neat bow, mm-hmm. if the first six movies are about Anakin, right, then the last three should be as well. I mean, I still even say- though we can have other heroes that pro- progress the story along mm-hmm. and other villains that progress the story along, that he's ultimately the hero and the villain. 
Right. And I don't like this idea of one of the things I don't like is that Anakin's the chosen one. Mm hmm. But that somehow we can keep kicking that can down the road. If Anakin right. doesn't pick up the mantle, then then he'll be the chosen one. And then kick it a little further down the road, and she's the chosen one. Uh, right. It's, it's, and uh, it's also, you know, a prophecy. And prophecies are, you know, established in the Star Wars universe and pretty much every other um, fictional universe in existence to be ambiguous. Right. You know, so it is possible that somebody you know, miss the mark a little bit that, that Qui-Gon wasn't quite as right as he was convinced he was. Anakin is clearly tied up in the whole chosen one deal, but he well, doesn't have his, to be. Maybe his one. purpose in the, in the myth in, in the, in the legend is that one of his children. I want to see, feels- okay, you, you want to know what I want to see? Okay. So I want to see Anakin be the father and I want to see Kylo be the son and I want to see Ray be the daughter. Yep. I want to see them as the, I want to see them as the Mortis gods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all on board with that. I think we've actually discussed that in a previous episode. I, I, I just, it's Ooh. too deep of a cut for them to do in a movie. And I, I'm actually concerned. We've done very little exploration into the mythology of the force mm-hmm. in these three movies, in, in the, in seven and eight. Right. So that makes me even more leery that of, I don't know that we get a real clear cut answer. You know, though, I think though, even if they don't do that, I think if, even if they just leave that as something they can explore later, you know, after the movies, we know whenever Ray and Kylo finally die or something, yeah, you know, that they can do. And because I, the thing is, I think that they brought the Mortis gods back up again in the last season of Rebels. Mm, oh, I, I think he intends to use them again. Yeah, oh, I do too. I, I think that they're they're important, and it was to show us that they weren't just to exist in this one point in time. Right. That yeah. Uh, the, if you don't know what we're talking about as far as the Mortis gods, I don't have the season and episode numbers, but Clone Wars. You can go Google look up it. the Clone Wars, the Mortis arc. I think it's three episodes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some of the deepest storytelling as far as the mystical aspect of the Force yep. that's ever been done in any format. And it was done, you know, George Lucas was still helming Star Wars when they yes, did that. Yes, this was George Lucas. This is this is his, his brainchild. This is how he continued the story and how he really began to flesh out the... What it means to be the chosen one. Well, and, and also what the... I guess more the cosmic side of the force. Right. Um, Because we we had mostly dealt with the living force. Right, exactly. So when we talk about the force having a will of its own, we're talking about the cosmic force. You know, the force that can set events into motion or allow a chariot in way to walk through a hail of Mm -hmm. laser fire long enough to accomplish... What what he needed to accomplish. Right. So I guess before we run out of time, one other thing we should talk about. We talked about, was there anything else you wanted to say about, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the trailer? I don't I think I mean, there's so. some beautiful shots. It is. It's, it's, and I don't think they told us Jack. I think it was beautiful. It was supposed to be beautiful and make people talk. And, and it, it was, was like most of the Star Wars trailers have been. We got some voiceover that had nothing to do with the scenes we were seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and may not have anything to do with the movie that we see. Well, if it's like seven, then that would absolutely be true. Although I'm still holding out some hope that 
there was some truth in the voiceover we heard in that first trailer. I still think Ray should be a Skywalker. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm still on board with that, but I, unfortunately, the I internet think that is ship not is on board with that. I think a lot of people are. A lot of people aren't. It's it's an uphill climb. Somebody's gonna. It, this could be the perfect movie, and somebody's still gonna throw a hissy fit. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of people that have built ideas in their heads, um, just like a lot of people did going into eight. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them on the other side of the aisle this time. Yeah. Uh, particularly people who are on board. You know, a lot of the people that are have put a lot of stock in Kylo and Ray being a thing. Right. Um, honestly, I don't know how I feel. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily want the story to go that way. I don't think it's beneficial to the story. Again, if they do women. it, if they do it, it's all about execution. Whether right. it's whether I would like it or not. But okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry, but it's not. I I don't really care. Right. It just yeah. execution's got to be there, and be I'm the going to be fine with it, whichever way it happens. But there are a lot of people that if it doesn't happen, they are going to be super offended. They're going to throw just as big of a hissy fit as some of the really toxic people did about eight. Yeah, they are, and it's going to be the people that were complaining about those people. Again, the extremes on both sides yeah, are, are usually just that. Yeah. Just a bit more. They're happy as long as they get everything they want. Which is never going to happen because it's a movie. So one of the funniest things before all the Star Wars panels at Dragon Con, they show like clips of, you know, Saturday Night Live and, and stuff, uh, clips. And I think College Humor did a parody uh, with Kylo Ren and Ray, and it was A Star is Born. And, you know, so one of the lines was like, you know, should I... You know, should I go in for Kylo Ren? And like, as one, everybody in the room goes, no. So clearly the, uh, there, there's a contention of the fan base is not on board with that particular ship. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, even Daisy Ridley kind of sort of shot it down. So yeah. with, and with, and, and didn't just shoot it down, but like rationalized why. That's pretty much it. You can find a whole bunch of other people that have done shot for shot breakdowns yeah. on the trailer. I, I didn't want to do that to you again because... That would just be boring. So we talked about our favorite parts. And now we're going to talk real quick about... Oh, Marisha thinks I'm going to say something other than what I'm going to talk about. Marisha, what is it that you're very, very excited over there about? Obi-Wan. They're finally making my Obi-Wan series. I'm so happy. Y'all, I can't even tell you how happy I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, we finally got an official announcement. Um we don't know anything about it yet. We know that it's going to be roughly eight years mm-hmm. after Revenge of the Sith, which puts it in a good time slot. That gives us right. time for, for Obi-Wan to have become a little bit different person than we saw when right. we leave him. So, because he's a very, I mean, there's a big difference between episode three Obi-Wan and episode four Obi-Wan. Those, you know, 18 years are not kind to him. And I think maybe we're going to see some of the things that turned him prematurely old and gray here. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to tell that story, what this story is going to be about. Mm -hmm. Will we see a young Luke? I think so, at least briefly. Yeah. You know, who will they bring back? There's been a lot of rumors. Uh, One of the ones I've been on board with from day one is I want to see Obi-Wan leave Tatooine at least long enough to find out if the rumors are true about Anakin. Because we know that he he knows, he definitely knows mm-hmm. by the time that... Now, we don't know how he knows. I mean, it could be as simple as 
he's been in communication with Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and Yoda and... Poor Qui-Gon. How sad is he? We don't know what they may have sensed through the Force. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be as simple as Qui-Gon told him or Yoda mm-hmm. sensed it and told him. Or it could be that he finds out or hears rumor from someone. I think it's an opportunity to throw Ahsoka in the mix, at least briefly. I, I, I expect we're going to see more of Bail Organa at some point, and I, too. I would be fine with seeing him still in communication with Bail Organa as well. Because Bail Organa knows he's on Tatooine. Well, yeah. You know, he's... You know, Bail Organa was part of the conversation. Right, exactly. Um, and so he... I mean, Leia doesn't know that, you know, what interaction her father's had with, you know, she kind of talks like there hasn't been any contact since the Clone Wars. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm always happy to see more Jimmy Schmidt in Star Wars. So I feel like he was kind of underutilized initially um, anyway. Now, there's been some rumor about Maul returning. Not um, for this. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy for this. I don't think it works. I mean, I'd love to see Ray Park and uh, Sam Witwer do some more mall. I mean, that I'm, was that was. I'm a definitely on board moment. with that, and I think we're going to get that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some rumor now that they're working on a Disney Plus solo spinoff of some yeah. sort. So Underworld. that could be, yeah. So I, I don't, I, I think we're going to get more, more uh, mall. Mm-hmm. But I, unfortunately, I think Maul's story concerning Obi Wan is told. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, because we have this big gap where in this in this particular time frame, as far as Maul knows, Obi Wan is dead. Right, and he doesn't find out again until until uh, Ezra has his vision. Right, that Obi Wan's actually still out there. Right. So, um, I just I don't think it makes sense to have. Obi-Wan and Maul face off again. And honestly, I think that it's unlikely that they will... I think that it's unlikely that they will show... I I don't think we're ever going to see a live-action Obi-Wan that close to the events of Episode 4. It kind of messes with your your kind of continuity sense. Yeah. You know, I I think that's why they're setting this at the time that they are, because it's still far enough from... A New Hope that it's conceivable that he's still a very, you know, he looks different, you know, but I mean, you're pretty much right on top at the end of Rebels. You're right on top of episode four. Right. He's also still is still young enough to be a formidable Jedi. Right. You know, he was young when we left off with, with him at, right. the, at Revenge of the Sith. So yeah. I think they're setting it in the right time. Yeah. I really want to go. I really want to see him go. At least go learn the truth mm-hmm. of Vader. I don't necessarily want to see the whole t- story told on Tatooine. Right. I actually don't think that makes a lot of sense because right. we know we don't want it, the more attention that you draw to there being a Jedi on Tatooine. Right. The more likely Vader is to go check it out for himself. Right. Yeah. Um, we could see Inquisitors. So I think if we see Inquisitors, though, I, I kind of wonder if we don't intentionally see um, Obi-Wan sort of showing up other places just briefly enough to draw the attention away from Tatooine. Yeah. You know, if we're not seeing at this point him just sort of hopping in a, you know. Well, I actually think because the Inquisitors are out there, it actually makes a lot more sense for 
if he's going to have a run-in with any sort of Sith or mm-hmm. Inquisitors or Force-trained people, it actually makes a lot more sense for him to have those off of Tatooine rather than on. Right, yeah. Because that, that kind of messes. I think Tatooine needs to remain completely off off the radar for Episode Four's to work, right. story-wise. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to mess with that. I think that they're pretty aware of that. Yeah, so we're super excited about that, and we will continue that. to talk more about that. And I suspect eventually do an entire episode yes. on what we would like to see in that series. We'll but, get a trailer. When is that supposed to drop? Uh, if they give us an indication. They gave us absolutely no idea. I'm gonna say like two years. Two years. That's my guess. That kind of seems to be their timeline for whatever they're first being like, this is a thing. I think once they get really ramped up on some of these TV things, some of them are going to come faster. But right now they're already getting geared up. They're not filming yet, are they? For Cassian? Obi-Wan. No, Obi-Wan, no. They haven't even started filming the Cassian series yet, as far as I know. Um, Now they are apparently already gearing up sets for season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, that's great. I'm super excited about The Mandalorian. So um, we'll have all that. Now, the last thing we had was uh, Star Wars Resistance. Yeah. We got a new trailer. Mm -hmm. It's great. Looks cool. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of action. A lot more action this season. It Uh, looks like it's growing up a little bit. Yeah. I I think it had to. I think those last two or three episodes of season one. They're kind of dark. Yeah. As as light, you know, as much as it was like, this is a kid's show. It's not for you. Who? It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be funny. You know, with all that narrative, like those last couple of episodes, it was like, well, then. Yeah. That's not dumbed down and baby fine. Right. So, you know, this, um, we, we haven't been quite as into this show as, yeah. um, Clone Wars or Rebels. Yeah. Um, and the kids haven't either. So before you say, well, you're an adult, it's not for you. Our kids like it, but they will all quickly tell you they like Rebels that they better. like Rebels better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know why they're canceling it after two seasons. That may have been the plan all along. It may not have turned out the numbers they wanted. Or they may just have already kind of come up with something else they want to do. I think that whatever happens in um, the Rise of Skywalker is going to change the landscape drastically enough that this continuing this story isn't going to still work. Yes. I think that's very, very possible. I also think that um, it's going to open the door for a lot of new possible series. Yeah. And it may it may simply be that Filoni, now being head of of, of uh, Lucasfilm Animation mm-hmm. properties, may be ready to go reopen the door to Ezra and Sabine yeah. and and those characters. I mean, I think that's clearly what he had in mind at the end. There. Yeah. So and then we can get that other Thrawn book we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So. Um. I don't know. I mean, the trailer's good. We're looking yeah. forward to it. It's going to be interesting to see what all they're doing because it looks like while it looks like they are going to go for a little bit more mystical element to parts of it anyway. Um, you were talking about this this power source from an ancient civilization and um, some other things there in that trailer. Um, I don't think we're going deep into the force per se. Right. But it's a fantasy story. It's okay to delve into... Yeah mystical elements that right. are not yeah 
um, the force. You know, honestly, I think that the thing that has failed to be as gripping as for children specifically is that we don't have any force users. I mean, so there's always some question of, for so many people, Star Wars is about the Jedi and the Sith. Right. And so there's always been this question of how successful can, how it, successful be? can it be when you move away from the mystical fantasy element? Right. Well, and I think for adults, I think you can. But for kids, I think that they really, I think they're, they're a little more into lightsabers than they are into floating platforms. I mean. So, I mean, there's some stuff you could do. I mean, you know, when they first showed us, I thought we were going to get a lot more of the ships. I thought yeah. we were going to get a lot more racing, a lot mm-hmm. more space. Mm-hmm. I, I was really looking forward to it on that, that mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get, because I've always wanted a Star Wars show based around a fighter squadron. Right. I kind of thought that's what we were getting. Right. And I think that probably would have been a little more successful. I think that if they had actually let Ezra be an ace, you know, kind of work his way into that, that it might have gained a little more traction, a little more excitement, you know, airspeed right. battles. Because, I mean, espionage isn't really, yeah, an espionage show for kids, it's a little tenuous. You know, we'll do a lot more. We'll do shows. We'll do shows with the kids. Yeah. And we talked a lot more um, about the Resistance trailer with the Padawans. So you can we tune did. in to so- the Padawan report to hear... A lot more opinions um, on that. Yeah, for sure. We probably would talk about it a little more here, and we might as the show gets a little closer, but we're already a little short on time, and uh, dinner is beckoning. (laughs) All right. So I think... uh, Time to wrap this thing up. So before we go today, um, you know, a little bit about our new setup. We've got uh, fantastic new studio. We're continuing to improve it. Uh, new, mm-hmm. new stuff coming to make it all work a little better. I mean, by the next time we record, we'll have a little bit of new gear here to help. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of next week, we're going to have a video set up. Yeah. I don't know how quickly we're going to jump into doing video, but you will start to see some little short five-minute episodes pop up on our YouTube channel. If nothing else, because as soon as the kids realize that's an option... They're not going to be interested in just talking. No. And well, and and the other option is that we may do, we may start live streaming us recording the podcast um, on our Facebook channel. Yep. So if you're not a part of the Facebook group, go find it. It's just Coruscant Radio Underground. So a lot of new stuff coming. The new, the new podcast is coming. I don't know how quickly because this move and, and being sick kind of threw our, our timetable off. Threw our groove off, love. It did. So we're going to get that new podcast up and going. And if you're not aware, we're going to start a podcast. We started the Star Wars podcast because that's probably our favorite thing to talk about. And there's so much going on in Star Wars. But we do like to talk about other other shows, other science fiction, other mm-hmm. fantasy, action adventure. And so much good stuff coming out of the got, pipe with mm-hmm. Dune and... Lord of the Rings, and a new Indiana Jones Narnia. movie. Narnia. There's just so much good stuff coming mm-hmm. that we want to be able to talk about it. So sometime later this year, we will be launching that second podcast. Yep. Awesome. So, Marisha, what have you got you would like for people to check out? Well, my wonderful husband took lots of pictures of our cute kids at Dragon Con. Um, not very many of me. Somehow, 
I managed to not get any pictures of my costumes, but the kids are very cute. And I've been putting pictures of them up on the uh, Princesses and Padawans Instagram page. That's where I'm most active right now. Um, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And we've also got a Facebook and Princesses and Padawans dot uh, com. I've got a few like tutorial type things up there. Eventually, I keep declaring that I'm going to, you know, do this thing and put stuff up there but it's mostly just there to make me feel guilty about not doing it right now (laughs) anyway where can we find you love okay so uh my name is andrew gore and you can find me running the website at uh thesciencefictionary.com you can find me running the twitter account for this page uh it's the same for the padawan report and for the science fictionary is at sci underscore fictionary like i said you can find our facebook group you can check out our YouTube channel. All that's really on the YouTube channel right now is this podcast. But if you prefer to listen to your podcast through YouTube, which many people do, it is there. And it turns out one of our kids discovered this week you can also listen to our YouTube or to our podcast on your Google Home device. Yep. So we're on Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So we've been listening you, to ourselves in the background of all of our activities this week. It's a little weird. Very weird, y'all. I keep hearing you talk in the kitchen and you weren't even here. That's pretty much where you can find me. Lots of new stuff coming. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Either give us a... uh, One of the biggest things you can do for us or any other podcast you like is to leave us reviews. Yes. Particularly on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Yes. Tell us things you like, things you would like to see different, things you hate. Don't tell us things you hate. Well, tell us things you hate so we can fix them. But you should really love it because we're great. (laughs) So, yeah, drop us a review. If you've got anything you'd like to ask us, you can reach us on Twitter. Or we actually um, have an email at CoruscantRadioUnderground at gmail.com. So until next week, may the force be with you.